0: In Kevin's mom's spot. I'm not asking for you to (laughs) raise your hand, but I bet a lot of you have. Perhaps you were busy or distracted even for a few minutes with things on your mind. This day and age in 2018 is pretty easy to do, especially during a busy Christmas season. And so since I've asked the question, I have to confess, Beth and I did it even this month. It was here at church. After a church service, we were in the commons area, and often we drive two different cars. I get here a little bit earlier, and I mentioned to Beth, why don't you take the three kids? I have to run by the store on the way home. Now, I am not blaming Beth for this. I am, that's what I said, but I'm sure she heard something different. And she, she left and went home. And that, as I was in the Kroger parking lot, luckily just over at Belgrade, I get a phone call. And it's from Jack. And he says, where are you? And I said, well, I'm at, I'm at Kroger. Where are you? Thinking he was with mom. I'm at church. So at that point, I was still looking for a parking spot. So I just turned around and came back. And, and he was here. And luckily, leaving someone at a church is a pretty good place to be left. I think that happened to me once when I was a kid. Even this morning, I had something in my hand, and I put it down and walked away, and not until five or ten minutes later did I realize, where was that thing I had? I do that all the time here. So I think we can all relate to experiences like that. But really, while we may lose track of one of our children for a moment, maybe in a store, I know my kids get interested in different items, and they turn their, their view from us, and and we might lose track of them in the store. Or maybe in a neighbor's house, we might forget which, which neighbor's yard are they playing in. How can a parent lose track of a child until they're halfway over the Atlantic on their way to Paris? How could that happen? Could something like that really ever happen? Then we open our Bibles and read the scripture for the first Sunday after Christmas and realize that the Holy Family themselves... Did something pretty similar. So how do we make what do we make of Mary and Joseph losing track of their firstborn son, God's very own son? Didn't God background check this couple before trusting his son to their care? That's what we do these days, right? We gotta make sure the people we live leave our children in charge of are responsible. Well, the case of the missing Christ child takes place. In a chapter that's very familiar to us, but this is a different kind of setting. In Luke chapter 2, we have heard the amazing account of the birth of Jesus in an animal stall. And the appearance of heavenly hosts to shepherds watching their sheep. And it's in the same chapter as Simeon's proclamation that the baby Jesus would be salvation to all peoples. Such good news. And Anna's praise for God's redemption of Jerusalem. But as we end this chapter filled with wonder and miraculousness, we find Jesus at the cusp of manhood, still a boy, 12 years old, but on the cusp of becoming a man and in the holy city of Jerusalem during the Passover celebration. And so suddenly we're in a different place. And the the story here takes a different tone than the earlier scenes. Well, the scripture tells us it was their custom to travel to Jerusalem from Galilee. So we can assume this isn't the first time they have made this trip, but they probably did this yearly. By this time, Jesus and his family are accustomed to packing up for a a long journey, probably two weeks or so, and making a trip to Jerusalem, and they're probably used to all the activities that go with this important Passover observance. So once Jesus goes missing on the return trip, it's not because the family is confused. are too caught up in the newness of, a, of the experience of being in Jerusalem. They've done this before. So what must have happened here? How does a mother and father lose track of a 12-year-old son for an entire day's journey? And not just any child, but God's child. Well, since we've already noted this wasn't their first trip, and since they must have traveled in large groups of families and neighbors from Nazareth, we must assume that this is probably how things worked when they traveled. When the day and hour of their departure arrived, there probably was a large group of travelers who gathered together. Now, a 12-year-old who was about to become a man probably was given offered a little more leeway and an option of keeping to himself with his friends and cousins. And mom and dad could probably safely assume safety in the numbers of the traveling party, family and friends. There must have been plenty of people there to make sure that Jesus didn't get separated from the traveling party and all was okay. Didn't see him at breakfast? Well, he must be around. No sign of him at lunch? Well, he must be grabbing a sandwich with his his friends, and cousins. And as it got late in the day and all the kids were reunited with their families, there stood Mary and Joseph without their son in the darkness of the evening. How could Mary and Joseph be so careless? But that's when this story and our presumptions take a turn. Because it's not the human parents that are the culprits here. Jesus, the very Son of God, is to blame for his absence among the travelers. And what's more, he may have made this decision knowing full well it wasn't what his parents wanted or expected of him. So somewhere in the back of our mind, we may recall the commandment, Children, obey your parents. And wonder, could it be? We have to wonder all the more when, upon finding Jesus with the teachers in the temple, Mary exclaims, Son, why have you treated us like this? It's the exasperated reaction we know well of a mother whose worry has turned to frustration at the poor decision her son has made. So what do we make of this story that concludes a chapter of incredible events? After all, each of the miraculous events in Luke, Luke's gospel is a way of stressing the message that this baby is divine. This baby is God in flesh. But this last story is far from flattering and much more human than heavenly. And it hits very close to home for us, as we have already described. Who can't relate to Mary's exasperated reaction? Why have you treated us like this? Haven't many of us been on the giving end of such a statement as well as being on the receiving end? We have probably all caused our mom to lose her cool at least once in our lifetime, maybe more. We too have felt the exasperation when our beloved children have made choices that we would rather them not make. I think we parents tend to expect more from our children from sometimes than they can always deliver. But here, Mary has the express expectation brought from visiting angels and from a miraculous conception to back up her belief that Jesus wouldn't let her down. So as the supernatural events of Luke chapter 2 come to a close, Perhaps this last scene signals that it's time to fully remove Jesus from his heavenly home and see him firmly planted on earth, in his human setting. Now that Luke has made Jesus' divinity clear, it's time to make sure that we see Jesus is also fully human. Jesus, though divine, is growing up in an ordinary family, and now he's facing an ordinary crisis, one that we all can relate to. Now recalling this scene in Jesus' story also comes at a really good time for us on our calendar. Most of society, for most of society, the celebration of Christmas has come and gone. And after all the effort we have made with the tinsel and with the glitter, And all the hyperventilating to make this season so special. We too need to come back down to earth and watch God's drama of salvation unfold. With the Christmas celebration winding down, it's time for us to consider what all of this means for our everyday. Does Christ's coming have any bearing on our day-to-day life? For our personal life? or for our social life outside of our church, outside of our home. Let me offer three observations about this brief vignette that can help us carry Jesus with us into our everyday life in 2019. Luke makes it clear that Jesus was nurtured in a context of obedience and worship. And in this scene, it's Mary and Joseph's observance as obedient Jews in their home in Galilee, in the synagogue, and in the temple in Jerusalem each year that creates in Jesus a pull toward the temple and all that it means and all that's wrapped up in it and what it means for him. What signals do we as parents or grandparents or church members send to others around us? or especially to our children? Do we show that the Christ we celebrate in the manger each Christmas is worth our attention and obedience throughout the rest of the year? Or do our children learn that our highest devotion is reflected at our constant presence at their sporting events, in the classroom, at the office, at the gym, or in front of our smartphone screens? Well, the answer isn't as simple as church attendance taking precedence over everything else. See, my kids, they play soccer, they're at the gym, they have other activities, and they enjoy those activities, and we want them to, to do well in those activities. But our devotion, yours and mine, to each activity is a powerful teaching tool to those around you, and especially our children. So taking time during your busy work day to spend time with God at your office communicates to others what is really important to you. Taking time at some point during your day to read scripture as a family and to talk about how your family expresses gratitude to God teaches everyone around you and your children what is really important. How you order your everyday life around the truth that God makes himself present to us is just as instructive as joining the community at worship on a Sunday. Luke wants to be clear that Mary and Joseph purposed to worship God in all aspects of their life. And this wasn't lost on Jesus at all. A second observation. The 12-year-old Jesus had stirrings of his own uniqueness and calling. And this was especially Becoming evident once he was a 12 year old boy in Jerusalem. Because Mary and Joseph were faithful to worship God in all areas of their life, Jesus was naturally more aware of God's work in his world and God's growing pull on his life. I can imagine Jesus' inquisitiveness getting the best of him as he talks with the priest at the temple. He must have been full of questions asking the priests how they interpreted the law in light of the, of the prophets or in light of the orphans and widows who may have been homeless in Jerusalem during that time. I have to wonder if these questions at age 12 helped lay the foundation for his teaching as he gathered his disciples 18 years later. And a third observation Jesus' pull toward God at the temple over his place with Mary and Joseph must have created tension within his own family. Even though Jesus returned home with them, we can't overlook the hurt, frustration, and misunderstanding present in the following statements in our passage. Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, Your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. But they did not understand what he said to them. Jesus and his family here are beginning to sort through the tension of devotion to God and devotion to family. And already as a youth, Jesus is understanding that family love and loyalty half his place, have his place under love and loyalty to God. And so out of our questions from this passage today, we can return to one comfort that we noted at the beginning of the sermon. We can relate to this story. We can find ourselves in both Mary and Joseph's place, and we can find ourselves as a youth in Jesus' place. As young people, we've all grumbled to our friends that our parents just don't understand us. Why won't they leave us alone? And as parents, we've had moments when, with anxiety, we've tried to do our best by our children only to fall short or to lose them momentarily in the hustle and bustle of life. Today's story is just another reminder that Jesus didn't live outside the human environment and condition. He operated as God's beloved son within our limitations. His life was like ours. Most of his life involved plain old human stuff. That means Jesus too must have had his moments with his mom and dad. And he turned out okay. I believe with Jesus as our guide so can we. How do you respond to the good news of Emmanuel, which means that God is with us, that God is with us in flesh and bone, walking with us, despite our quirks and our foibles? Perhaps today, at the end of one year, during our celebration of Christmas, and at the beginning of a new one, there may be decisions you want to make. Perhaps you want to make a decision to commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you want to make a commitment to commit to a worshiping congregation, to to worship with us day in and day out during the year of 2019. If you have decisions to make or ways you want to pray, I'll be at the front as we sing our final hymn.